Evgeny Kuznetsov admits to some tension in the past with Capitals coaches. Plus, the Detroit Red Wings look to get back to the playoffs. And the Arizona Coyotes kick off the NHL preseason down under in Melbourne. We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. And you can also find us on the SXM app on SiriusXM. Just do a search for Locked On NHL. The Washington Capitals in the news again. And whenever that happens, we bring in Dan Holney of Locked On Capitals. Dan, great to have you here. And let's start off with some uh, relatively new news. Talk to me about what's going on with Evgeny Kuznetsov. So this just broke uh, today that there's a podcast called Slippery Ice. And Evgeny Kuznetsov was on there and he finally said, Yes, I did say that I wanted out of D.C. He actually had conversations with GM Brian McClellan a couple times saying that he wanted out. Why? Because he did not agree with Peter Laviolette's coaching style. Uh, Peter Laviolette was more of a dump and chase and then screen the goalie. Uh, he thought that the centers were underutilized, that, you know, there was uh, the Capitals had a myriad of injuries. And I think that was an easy excuse why they didn't play well. But he said that they had the manpower on the team to get it done. It's just that Peter Laviolette was not utilizing the players correctly. Uh, he talked about that for a lot of players that, you know, getting a, a big paycheck is good enough for, for them, but not for him. You know, he likes the big paycheck, but he wasn't happy. And uh, that's why he was underperforming. And if you take a look at Kuznetsov, you know, there is a lot of people throwing shade in his direction, but he was a first round pick. Um, and for the longest time on the Capitals, they always said, you know, we need this really uh, solid second line center back then. Backstrom was the top line center. And then came along Kuznetsov, this great guy from over in Russia that no one could say his name, this Kuznetsov guy. Uh, well, he finally came over here and killed it for a couple of years. And, you know, he's a bit of a hot and cold player. He is a bit of a quirky guy. He's one of the guys that said, I could be the best player in the NHL if I wanted to be. I just don't want to put in the work, but I do believe that this is going to be the year for Evgeny Kuznetsov. I think he is engaged with coach Spencer Carberry, and there is a lot of positivity uh, surrounding Carberry and most notably with Kuznetsov. I think that their philosophy is more on the same page and now more I'm seeing the reason I believe that they did not trade Kuzi out of Washington is because I think that GM Brian McClellan knew that there was a disconnect between Kuzi and and uh, Peter Laviolette and probably a lot of the other players as well. I think that, you know, Peter Laviolette saw the writing on the walls and he's like, I know what's going on here and I want out of town. So uh, good signs for Kuzi, good sign for the Capitals. I think that positivity uh, and, and enthusiasm abounds. Do you think, I mean, who are some of the other players who stayed healthy last year who do you think were negatively impacted by what Kuznetsov was describing? 
he was talking about the center position in general. He thought that the centers were not properly properly utilized. He talked about Strom. Uh, he talked about Eller and Dowd, and that there was it's a veteran laden team. And I know that a lot of the key veterans missed a line share of the season. I'm talking Wilson, Backstrom, Carlson. Um, but I do think that there was the possibility that towards the end of the season that they could have made a push and made a wild card spot. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they started on fire and they played so well in the month of December. And then the, you know, the, the wheels fell off Backstrom and Wilson came back and they actually played worse, if you can believe that. Um, so I just think it was time. And I do think that the Capitals did have the manpower. If it wasn't on the big team, it would have been down in Hershey, as we see that the Hershey bears won the Calder cup. So evidently they're, you know, capable of, you know, handling themselves on a big stage. Um, it's just in more and more, you're starting to hear this slowly trickle in from players, not so pointed as if Kenny Kuznetsov, but saying that there was a bit of a disconnect between Lavi and, uh, the rest of the, the other team, they weren't into his brand of hockey. So now, you know, when we've talked in the past, you know, you've mentioned the promise that management made to Alexander Ovechkin, that as long as he was, with the team, they were going to be all in to try to win another cup for him and be competitive, et cetera. Uh, based on the new coaching situation and the new attitude here, do you think they can keep that promise this season? I do. And, you know, I'm totally drinking the Capitals Kool-Aid here and I'm drunk on it. I mean, just as I watch camp here, it's nothing but positive interviews, something that I haven't seen, you know, even before I hosted it for Locked On, I've covered this team or watched this team for many years. And, you know, usually it's like, oh, we're doing the training camp and we got to do the skate test. And But no, all the interviews with all the players, I'm talking Tom Wilson and Connor McMichael and Alex Ovechkin, everyone is super pumped to have Spencer Carberry here. He's young, relatively speaking, you know, um, and I think that, you know, he can relate more to the Capitals uh, based on familiarity. He coached the Stingrays and the Hershey Bears, so he has uh, familiarity even with a lot of the guys in the AHL. And I think that there is just a rapport uh, with him and the other players and even the assistants. Uh, I just think that this is the makings of a, a perfect storm, if you will, for the Capitals that is trying to squeeze the most that they possibly can out of this aging roster, this rock the red era. Uh, I do think they can do it. I do think they can make it to the playoffs this year. I'm not going to go ahead and etch their name in the side of the Stanley Cup yet, but I do think they will make it to the playoffs. One wild card, obviously, the health and performance of Max Pacioretty. Any updates on his situation, when they expect him back, and what he may add to the lineup? So Brian McClellan was asked that, and he says, I don't have any word. He was receiving treatment uh, when he was asked about it. When camp, uh, camp opened up, he said he should have more details. Uh, but Max did come out and say that he's not going to be ready for game one uh, of the regular season. And I've heard some things about November or potentially uh, December. The tough thing about it is that he has suffered uh, Achilles issues the last two seasons. And, you know, we can see how that kind of plays out. If you know, don't know what I'm talking about, take a look at Rodgers for the Jets, for example, that it can be a bit difficult. And the reason that the Capitals were able to get Max in the first place was because he was a bit dinged up. I don't think the Capitals could have afforded him. A guy that has scored 30 goals six times in his career, no way. Um, but I do think that when he comes, even if they can get a fraction of that, I mean, if he can get 30 goals, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm singing his praises. But even if he could score, let's say, 20 goals, I definitely think that would help what ails the Capitals as it was Alex Ovechkin who carried the bulk of the mail last year. 
Yeah, uh, 24th in goals, if I'm not mistaken, in the NHL. Very surprising for the Caps. Any prospects that we need to keep an eye on? Any young players who you expect to be uh, fighting for a roster spot or even impacting this team this year? Well, if you're an everydayer of Locked On Capitals, I will say that I do believe that this is going to be the year for Ivan Mirishnashenko. He was the player that had that non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And Ross Mahoney, who was in charge, the assistant GM, said that, you know, when he met Ivan, he, he was so skinny that the jeans were just hanging off his, off his hips. Uh, but he put in the hard work in the offseason. He bulked up. He put on weight. Um, he was able to terminate his contract with the KHL, and he was skating with Alex Ovechkin. Uh, quite a thing there. I've often dubbed him as Alex Ovechkin 2.0. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he looks pretty good up, pretty good setting up uh, one-timers from Ovi's office. So I would keep an eye out for Ivan Mirishnashenko. I do think he'll make the caps at some point. Another player that we've heard about for quite some time and has had a cup of coffee with the Capitals is uh, Connor McMichael. I do believe that this is going to be his year as well. Uh, as he talked about in his interviews there, he said, obviously I can handle myself on the big stage. Uh, as the, the Hershey Bears won the Calder Cup. And you know, the one thing I'm going to say about a lot of these young players is they are far more mature for their age than I was at their age. You know, <laughs> they're playing on the big team and then they get sent down to the AHL. And for a lot of guys, you would sulk and you would moan. Not these guys, you know, they just put in their effort. They didn't complain about it. And, and look at the proofs in the pudding there as the Hershey Bears won a Calder Cup. And that's evident throughout a lot of the young players. Hendricks Lop here and Ivan Mirishnashenko. There is no sulking that they're playing uh, at a lower level. But uh, in any event, I would say Connor McMichael and Ivan Mirishnashenko and perhaps Vincent Iorio on the blue line. Um, it's a bit of a difficult position on the blue line as it is a bit packed I would pencil him as potentially a seventh defenseman uh, of course Alex Alexiev also fits in there so I do think that it is going to be a battle and I think that you know it's not necessarily going to be set in stone I'm going to say go ahead and write it in pencil with maybe a big eraser on there because I think that things are going to be changing throughout the season but uh, it is exciting to finally have a coach that is going to be willing to work with the young players there was always that reluctance uh, with Peter Laviolette and previous coaches so I'm pretty excited about this season all right change in tone let's see if there's a change in results dan why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media all right you can find me on twitter it's at dan caps 218 you can find the show on twitter it's at locked on caps of course we're available wherever you can find your podcasts and on youtube including the sirius xm app so check it out all right dan thanks so much always a pleasure thank you Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. It gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Check it out. Preseason hockey is back. The Arizona Coyotes helped kick it off down under 
Robin Leano of Locked On Coyotes joining us to talk about that. And Robin, let's first talk about what this trip has been like for this team and what it's meant for the NHL and for the Coyotes. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely huge. The I think I believe the uh, uh, the first NHL game in the southern southern hemisphere. There's been a lot of global series games across Europe, across Asia, but the first in the southern hemisphere. So, um, you know, they're pretty excited for it. And um, from what my understanding was, you know, a lot of Coyotes fans actually <laughs> made the trip down there too, <laughs> and also Kings fans as well. Um, but you know, there was so many, uh, there was so much anticipation for it, especially because, Hey, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's Australia. It's a, it's a, it's a tourist destination. People love to be there. So it's, it, it was, it was a pretty cool experience, especially seeing everything that, you know, all the uh, anticipation that led up to it. And as far as this team is concerned, I mean, it's gotta be a great bonding opportunity to start the season off by having the team head over to Australia. I mean, it's certainly not your typical uh, training camp start of the preseason kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think there is, uh, like, because like, normally like yeah, everyone's doing training camp, you know, in their own home. And, like, some 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 of the team still is. It's a split yeah. squad, right? You know, but, like, it, this is the team that, the team that went to Australia is a team that we already know has, like, a 95, 99% chance of being on the uh, on the opening night roster, so the fact that they were able to you know go and bond and uh, have those kind of experiences um, on the global stage, it, it, I think it really made a difference. It really does, and I think that's for a team that's coming out of a rebuild. I really think that's one of the most important things you can get. Now, there were a few issues with the ice as far as practice goes, uh, I know, in the days leading up to the first game. Uh, but I, I, somehow, maybe that even helps the team bond even more. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. I've, I've, like, I was watching the, uh, you know, like everything that went down. And there was like, oh, yeah, no, there's, is there's issues going on at Rod Laver Arena. So they're going to go practice back at uh, the O'Brien ice, uh, ice House. And it's just like, oh, my God, they're just going back and forth. I'm sure on on like the, the on the bus between the facilities, they're just laughing. They're just probably <laughs> just laughing because it's 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 funny because that happens. I mean, um, you know, that in a place where it gets that hot, I'm pretty sure they understand. I um, I'm sure it's probably happened one maybe once or twice in an, in an Arizona ice facility. Maybe not while they're practicing, but it's nothing new. <laughs> And, and, you know, it, it amazed me looking at the schedule. The Coyotes actually on Saturday playing three different split squad games. Yeah. Is is that a first in NHL preseason history? I have never seen anything like that before. Uh, it is interesting, too, because leading into that, the, I think the Coyotes signed 12 players to a PTO <laughs> just so they could, you know, field full team, you know, uh, ice full teams for those split squads. Um, like I said, the team that went to Australia is a team that practically is like a shoe in for the, for the opening night roster. Um, a team that's going to uh, Wichita tonight, I believe, has uh, I think they're probably the ones that are fighting for a roster spot, seeing if they can, if they can, you know, you know, push in, maybe make the final couple spots. Um, then you got the team and it's just going to St. Louis, where like. They're just, you know, they're, they're, I think they're just there for a the little bit of the, little bit of the extra reps. 
Logan Cooley uh, with with a spectacular play uh, in the first game. Talk to me about his progress and about that move and that goal. Uh, Logan Cooley has just been the one we've been waiting for. Ever since he was drafted, I've been hyping this dude up. I've been watching his his highlights, uh, watching him closely when I was playing in Minnesota. Um, So when... you know, when we found out he was he, he signed his contract, I'm like, all right, watch for these kind of plays. He's gonna do so well. And then in the first preseason game, he does it. He does those like like a spinorama. It just, you know, and Duke out the uh, the Kings, and I'm like, oh my god, I just this is this is, is this what we're gonna keep getting? I'm gonna love this. This is gonna be so good. Logan Cooley, I I, I really want to stress. I can't I cannot stress this enough that. Uh, I really believe that Logan Cooley is, you know, definitely going to be like, you know, top three everyone's paying attention to in rookies in this upcoming year. And and what are the realistic expectations from him as a rookie this year, as far as you're concerned? I mean, I wouldn't put it as I, you know, um, I'd probably go as far as saying like, look, probably looking to see if he can chase for that, uh, for that Calder trophy, you know, I think that's, that's kind of actual realistic expectation. I know a lot of uh, hockey fans out there are going to be touting for Connor Bedard and, and Connor Bedard, but you know, I know unlike him, you know, he's got a better support. Logan Cooley has got a, you know, a little bit of a little bit of a better support team around him to be able to make sure he helps get that, um, you know, get that uh, development and just look outstanding. Any other young players? I mean, like you said, the Coyotes coming out of a rebuild here. Some other young players you think that our listeners and viewers should keep an eye on in Coyotes camp this year? Yeah, you know, I think the uh, I think I think of just uh, two players, really. And these are two players who made a big, big impact last year who I really believe are going to increase and have a bigger impact this year. And that's uh, uh, the defenseman, J.J. Mosier, who had, um, as well as um, uh, Matias Pacelli, the forward. He uh, uh, came, like, yeah, I believe he should have uh, gotten at least uh, more votes for, for Calder, the Calder Trophy last year, having the most points, points per game at, at, than any other rookie in the league last year. Uh, I, just think, I just think he's going to build off of that. Well, it should be interesting to see, and uh, hopefully the Coyotes take another step forward as they hope to get back to contention. Robin, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Yeah, you can find the podcast wherever you get your, wherever you get your podcast from Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, we're also on the SiriusXM radio app. All you got to do is just search on search up. Locked on Coyotes on social media. We're on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash locked on Coyotes and on uh, X at LO underscore Coyotes. And I'm at uh, Robin underscore Lyonia. All right, Robin, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. 
You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including point spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And hey, it's not just the NFL you could bet on. You've got the Major League Baseball playoffs right around the corner, and NHL futures are available right now. You can use your knowledge of the NHL at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash on kick off the NFL season and more FanDuel official partner of the National Football League. It is great to welcome back to the show Brian Fisher of Locked on Red Wings. An exciting time in Detroit right now and a lot of it centers around the addition during the offseason of Alex DeBrinkett. What exactly is he going to bring? I mean, I'm sure there's a ripple effect with Debrinket's addition, what does he bring to the table for this team? Well, the number one thing that he brings to the team is goals. Uh, on the Detroit Red Wings last year, Dylan Larkin led the team in points. He had 79 points in 80 games played, a point-per-game player, um, but only player on the team hit 30 goals. After that, it was David Perron with 24 and 56 points. Dominic Kubelik, who we traded to the Senators for Debrinket with 20 goals and 45 points. Like, There's very clearly a large gap between... Dylan Larkin and the rest of the group of the Detroit Red Wings. And there's been a lot of roster turnover altogether in this offseason. He addressed uh, Steve Eisman, addressed a lot of goal scoring different ways, getting bringing in Daniel Sprong, hopefully hoping he's not a flash in the pan um, and can bring us a 20 goal season yet again, as he did with Seattle last year. But Alex to bring number one, he, he addresses goals. This team uh, that was their, well, I, I want to say it was their biggest issue, but they had a lot of things going wrong with them last year, like goaltending and defensive core, but which was also addressed, but, when Scotty and I talk about the biggest issues that needed to be addressed, like you're not going to win hockey games unless you put the puck in the back of the net. And the Red Wings didn't do a whole lot of that last year. So if Alex Dabrinkit, even if he was, even because last year was a down year for Dabrinkit with the Ottawa Senators, he only, I think he had 66 points, uh, 27 goals after having like 41 goals with the Chicago Blackhawks the year before. Uh, 66 points would still comfortably put him second best on the team points. Um, and we're hoping for even more of that. We're hoping that he bounces back and gets back to like Chicago Blackhawks style Alex to bring it. So to bring him in, Scotty and I talked about it. If you take this Red Wings team from last year and you add to bring it's 30 goals, then that takes them from a bottom 10 team goals for to a top 12 team in goals for. And I understand obviously you lost like to bring it who, you know, provided 20 goals. So you do the math there, but then you brought in other guys who hopefully can supplement that. The scoring goals is such a important thing. And that's like the number one thing that to bring, it's going to going to bring. And that's, that's what you brought him in to do. <laughs> one of the keys, obviously for to success is who he plays with, who are his line mates. And, you know, you mentioned Dylan Larkin, any early indications so far in training camp uh, about the chemistry between these two? Well, uh, so Derek alone on day one of training camp, obviously it's training camp. So they've, shaking it up every single day here. But on day one, the line that Dalen Larkin was on was with Raymond and Debrinkit. Now, in the offseason, I was a little bit skeptical that Raymond and Debrinkit would play on the same line with Dylan Larkin because they're kind of, I won't say they're the same type of player, but they're both undersized for NHL standards, wingers. Um, and Debrinkit plays above his, his size. Like, he plays bigger than he is, but that doesn't still make up for the fact that he's a little bit smaller. I think he's 5'9", maybe even five. 5'8", officially, is what he's listed at. So, you know, I was a little skeptical that they might get bullied and then it wouldn't provide a lot of chem great chemistry. But if you look at their pros as well, obviously, to bring it being a huge goal scorer, he gets a fair amount of assists. Dylan Larkin can shoot and he can pass. Uh, and Lucas Raymond can do the same thing. So you think, like, 
when it comes to goal scoring ability and setup ability, that would be a great line. I was just skeptical because of their size. Um, I know Derek Lalone in a press conference said that he thought Raymond and Fabry had some phenomenal chemistry. And I was predicting that Raymond would end up on the second line one, because he's still a growing player, putting him on the second line still gives him quality minutes, but allows him, gives him a little bit more room to breathe and grow. Um, and then also David Perron could bump up. I know he usually plays offering off wing like the does on that left side. Uh, but you put him on the right side. He's that guy who can get into the corner like Tyler Bertuzzi did for the Detroit Red Wings and will now do with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's the guy who can get in the corner, dig that puck out and set up his, his goal scoring teammates in Larkin and Dabrinkit. David Perron does the same thing. Plus the added benefit of he is a shooter. David Perron can score. He's a power play wizard. So I really like the idea of Larkin, Dabrinkit and Perron. I'm not opposed to Larkin, Dabrinkit and Raymond either, if that's what's best for the team. But I think Larkin and Dabrinkit is, I don't say set in stone because we haven't seen a game yet of them being played, but they're both top line caliber players. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what the chemistry that develops between them is. You mentioned briefly Daniel Sprong. Talk to me about some of the other newcomers on this team. Oh, I mean, we'd be here for half an hour if I talked about every single one of them. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Daniel Sprong had a great season last year with the Seattle Kraken. I believe he had 20, 21 goals with them last year, despite playing third and fourth line minutes. Um, He's going to come here with the opportunity of the Red Wings to try and get into a top six role, middle six probably. I don't see him playing fourth line. But that is a huge add for the Detroit Red Wings depth because last year, if once you got outside the top six, there wasn't much offense to be had. And you look at teams like the Vegas Golden Knights, and granted, they are star-studded too, but they didn't have a lot of, like, I think the top point getter was in the 60s as well. They were just a really deep team. All four lines contributed, and that's how you have success in the NHL is when you have four, when you're four lines deep. So Daniel Sprong, if he's not a flash in the pan and he can provide, you know, 20 goals again, from the second or third line that provides a ton of depth offense and scoring. And again, I, I talk about pressure. It takes pressure off the top six to do everything all the time. It makes every single line a threat and keeps other teams on notice that you can't just, you know, okay, well we're against the third line. So, you know, you can take it a little bit easier. Oh, this guy's a threat. He's going to be a threat to score JT Comfer. I'm, I'm not in love with the dollar amount that they gave him. I think five by five is a little much for JT Confer, but I understand free agency. That's what's going to happen. You're going to overpay for free agency every single time, but I love that he's a, a two way forward. He's a special teams guy too. Uh, he's, you know, he had a career year last year, much like Andrew Kopp did the last year, last year or the year prior as well. The only difference is he's not coming off a of core muscle surgery. So he should be able to get off the ground running coming into the new season. Andrew Kopp, it took him a little while to get used to things because he didn't have a training camp. He started his first time back on the ice was essentially game one of the NHL season last year. So he was sluggish to begin. So you have two guys in Andrew Kopp and JT Comfer who can both play 2C. They're going to be battling it out for 2C all year long. They're just, they're going to have great chemistry. And then there's tons of other guys too. Christian Fisher, Clem Costin are going to bring an edge that this team needs. Christian Fisher being a PK specialist, Clem Costin being huge. And intimidating. They need that on the forward court because they got bullied a lot last year uh, because they didn't have any grit, really. Uh, defensively, Justin Hall, I think he's a little bit of a martyr, a little bit of a scapegoat in Toronto. He was awful in the playoffs. Won't make any excuses for that. Another player I'm not really happy with the dollar amount they gave him. Uh, but again, I understand free agency. He'll he'll play second pair, third pair minutes with the Detroit Red Wings. I think he'll do just fine. He's definitely an upgrade over everyone else. Ghost Despair brings that offensive punch on the blue line that they uh, lost when they traded Heronic away. And plus, it's a one-year deal, so if this team's out of it come the playoffs and he's having a good year, you flip him at the deadline for more assets. I really love 
I, I can't undersell how much I love the Ghost Despair acquisition. I just, you know, could try to keep things timely here uh, because the Red Wings <laughs> made like 10 acquisitions. Jeff Petrie on the right side. They traded yeah. for him for next to nothing. I love that veteran presence. He comes home and gives him something to play for, finish out his career with the, his hometown team. He's If you look at the advanced metrics, he's still a quality uh, defenseman on the right side, despite the fact that he's 35. Obviously, we're going to expect a little bit of a dip in play, but he's not going to be getting top pair minutes like he used to either. So he sh- should still be strong with less minutes. So I'm trying to think who else, James Reimer, Alex Lyon. That's still the biggest question mark with the Detroit Red Wings. Alec, uh, the James Reimer of had, excuse me, James Reimer last season with the San Jose Sharks had a down year, but the San Jose Sharks were also abysmal last year. Uh, So if you look at James Reimer's career stats, every single season of his career, besides last year, he's had over a 900 save percentage. I think he bounces back to that and is a quality backup to Vili Huso, who I also think will bounce back now that he's not injured, got a year of being the one, number one guy under his belt, and has a quality backup behind him because there was a lot of pressure on him last year when Magnus Helberg and Alex Nedeljkovic didn't pan out. So I think James Reimer bounces back. He might not be the way he used to be used to be because he's 35 plus. Um, but then Alex Lyon, if the, everything goes bad, you have Alex Lyon, Lyon in the minors who can step up. Not- that's the that's that's the <laughs> oh, my quick version of everyone the right rooms brought in. So briefly, is that all of these new additions? Is that going to be enough to get this team into the playoffs in a very competitive conference and division? I don't know. <laughs> to put it bluntly, Gil, Gil, I don't I don't know. Uh, this is a incredibly deep division, and I hate it because of that. Um, this team on paper is so much better than they were last year, but you look at teams that they're playing against like the Ottawa senators who have a fantastic roster. I mean, I won't, I won't sell them short guys like Stutzla, Brady, Norris, Sanderson. They're just up and down their roster. They got so much talent. I think their head coaching is what's keeping them back. They keep running it back with DJ Smith. I don't know what the deal is with that, but they're really, they're, they're poised to take a step forward every single year. They just have really failed to get that final leap into the playoffs. Buffalo Sabres proved to be really scary on offense and really abysmal on defense, missing the playoffs by one point. So they're very much in the conversation. Boston is going to not get 135 points, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get 100 again because they still have Marshawn. They still have Pasternak. They still have DeBrusque. They still have McAvoy. Uh, they have the best goalie tandem in the league and Swayman and Olmark. Uh, Tampa Bay is still Tampa Bay. They're just another year older. Toronto is still Toronto. They're just another year older, and they brought in a lot of like gritty guys in the offseason. I mean... Florida is right there. It's just, I, you could, the only team I'm not really concerned about is Montreal. And I think in the next couple of years, you will be concerned with them because they have a yeah. great prospect pool. So I, I, I hate to sound like a cop out, but I don't know. I could mm-hmm. see this. I think this team is going to compete until the very end, but I don't think I, I can't tell you right here, right now, I can guarantee they make the playoffs. I think my minimum for success is they just barely missed the playoffs. That's my minimum for a success my overwhelming success with you make the playoffs. Right. Right. All right, Brian, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Well, you can find lockdown red wings on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple Odyssey, the Odyssey app. I got to plug that because I work for an Odyssey new uh, radio station. And, uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Brian Fisher, WWJ, the team, uh, the podcast account is at, L-O underscore Red Wings. And then my co-host is at Bentley Scotty. All right, Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, Gil. All right, I want to thank my guest, Brian Fisher of Locked On Red Wings, Robin Leano of Locked On Coyotes, 
and Dan Holmey of Locked On Capitals. I'm Gil Martin. I host the Monday edition of Locked On NHL. I co-host the Friday edition along with Rachel Donner. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Every dayers, tomorrow on the show, we will have more of the biggest stories from around the NHL, which we do every Monday through Friday right here on the Locked On NHL podcast. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.